Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. Whenever you are hearing this, if you are here live, I invite you to settle in and take a deep breath and ground yourself because you are in for a beautiful treat. I am delighted to have Acharya Shunya back on 1111 Talk Radio. I had a really beautiful conversation with her about her prior book, which is Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, a really, really powerful book in terms of healing, personal growth, and really taking care of self. And she has just released another truly powerful book called Sovereign Self, and it could not come at a better time. We humans have accepted a shackled existence. Many of us feel our life is simply a jail sentence. We disappoint ourselves. We don't necessarily even like ourselves. We go about life imprisoned in our false beliefs, confirming our imagined personal limitations. We beg for freedom, recognition, and love from others, forgetting that our happiness, acceptance, and worth are up to us, that they are achieved through an inward journey toward the self, never outward. We don't recognize the truth that we are the ruler of our own lives, in full command of our own experience. These words are from her brand new book, Sovereign Self. Claim your inner joy and freedom with the empowering wisdom of the Vedas, Upanishads, and Bhagavad Gita. Absolute authority over your inner world is your spiritual birthright. And Acharya Shanya's book will give you the tools to reclaim a sovereign life. It is packed with rich wisdom and also practical stories and knowledge. Uh, She takes you step by step through that with practices as well that will allow you to move from uh, simply embracing the life of the lower self to the sovereignty of the higher self and your infinite existence. Acharya Shunya is an award-winning and internationally renowned spiritual teacher and scholar of Advaita and a classically trained master of yoga and Ayurveda. The first female head of her 2,000-year-old Indian spiritual lineage, she's dedicated her life to the dissemination of Vedic knowledge for the spiritual uplifting of all beings. She's the president of the Awakened Self Foundation and the founder of the spiritual and educational nonprofit Vedika Global. She is also, as I said, the author of Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, and today we're going to be discussing Sovereign Self. You can find out more about her at awakenedself.com. Welcome, Acharya, back to 1111 Talk Radio. It's so great to have you here. And it's always a delight to connect with you, Simran. Thanks for having me. You know, I don't think there's a, a could have been a better time for this to have come, and although Vedic Wisdom has been there for uh, so many thousands of years, it is necessary to bring it to the forefront in a practical manner so that we uh, move from bondage to liberation. And it seems as if there are so many things in our world that we attach to that create this bondage and suffering and separation. And yet you begin the book saying that this has always been optional. Absolutely. And it is in the realm of thoughts that we gave up our freedom somewhere. So it's a matter of going back into that realm of thoughts, investigating if that's really the final destiny. 
Well, and what, what, what seems paradoxical about this is the realm of thoughts is what's created it and is the realm of thought where we have to begin to dive back into this exploration of, of self. How do we then move it from the realm of thought and drop it down into the body so that it does become an embodied knowing rather than an intellectual concept? Very true. We don't want to just um, regurgitate knowledge. We have to feel it somatically too. We have to know it. And the whole experience has to confirm the sacredness of our existence as self. And I have to go back to the definition of self in the Vedic yogic wisdom tradition coming out of ancient India and Um, The self is known as Atman, which literally means, and I'm going to just say a bunch of Sanskrit words, and it goes like this, Apanoti Sarvamiti Atma, which literally means there is something boundless within you, no matter what be your experience. And that boundless presence within you is your true self. It is Atman. And to connect with this boundlessness, we have to experience this boundlessness in the form of an expansive feeling throughout our being, an expansive um, uh, state of aliveness, a state of potential and possibility. Just like, like when we were really small, like tiny kids, and we were running in the meadow or the garden, and we had not a care in the world. We had, we have had those moments of boundlessness, or even in the moment of a peak um, sexual experience, or the fulfillment of an innocent desire. Um, we felt it in every pore of our being, Simran, that expansive feeling, and that's what's connecting us to the self. And what if we lived like that? What if we were always in connection with this? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Oh, my goodness. That would be incredible. And, and I think most people don't realize, as you have also stated in the book, that the things that we are in search of to fulfill us in our happiness or in our quests or in our ambitions or in our relationships, they are all really grounded in this known innate space that we are that infinite space within us that already has those things. Could you talk a little bit first about um, h- how the book is grounded in the Vedic wisdom and for people that don't know what that is, briefly give an understanding of, of what that is so that they have a sense of um, where you're coming from in this sharing and how that ancient knowledge really still applies today. Most spiritual and metaphysical seekers and inquirers have heard about India's contribution to spirituality, be it yoga, meditation, philosophy, non-dual wisdom, healing of Ayurveda, Tantra, and various modalities. And India seems to be very prominent uh, as a contributor to world wisdom. But what people don't know is that all of this wisdom emerges from a sacred way of life, which was then encapsulated in sacred texts called the Vedas. And these are a collection of ancient verses, 
prose as well as verse, which are known as the Vedas. And they predate all religions coming from India. And India is a deeply spiritual place and it has given birth to world religions like Hinduism, Buddhism, Sikhism, Jainism, just to count the big four. And then we may have a couple of hundred more nestled in India. But before all religions, before, and I would even say before any kind of dogma, there was the light of the Vedas. It was a conscious way of life, an elevated way of thinking, and amazingly, a universal way of being. For example, a Vedic quote from 10,000 years ago is, Vasudeva Kutumbakam, which means the world is a family. Or, Ekam Satvipraha Bahudavadanti, which means there is only one truth. Though people describe it through different names, don't worry. There is only one truth, one self, with unity over the diversity. So these kind of deep teachings come from the Vedas. I'm a representative of that Veda. And this Veda pointed to us, look human, you're caught up in the shadow, but you have something amazing inside you. It's invisible, but it's palpable. You can feel it. You know it. That's why you expect it. That's why you want nothing less than unconditional love, eternal uh, happiness, permanent uh, relationships. Why? Why do you want joy? Why do you want help? Why do you want beauty? Why do you want uh, lightheartedness? Because that's your true nature. Because that's your deep treasure. Because that's what you're looking for. You're looking for you outside you in ice cream cones and lovers that betray you and ice cream cones that give you cholesterol and no amount of shoes and handbags and clothes are going to fulfill you unless you turn inside in a quest for that self which you forgot along the way and started trying to find it outside you. And so the Vedas became a conduit for the inquiry of the self, who am I? And what is my true nature? And is my ego and my fluctuating mind and my decaying body my true self? Or something that is witnessing all of this and awareness, something that's connected to the sun, moon, and this whole universe, something magical, whole, and wonderful. That is my true self. And is there a path? Is there a discipline, a tradition? some practices in a day-to-day sense that can connect me to it. And in, in, this, in the end, I would say, and do I have to shave my head, become vegan, leave sex, you know, go into an ashram to find that? Or can I have it while I'm leading my life as it is in the modern world? And the Veda said, don't change anything. You can enjoy anything. You can even enjoy a sexual orgy if that's, you know, a, a consentful between adults. You can have the life you want because yourself is always with you and you don't have to beg and plead and submit uh, yourself or, you know, change your sexual and, you know, dietary habits, if you may. You can if you want to, but you don't have to because the self is always with you. It's you. So, Acharya, with something so immense inside of us that is always there, why, why forget? Why create all the veils? Why allow this maya and the spell to overtake us when that is so much bigger? 
See, and this is where, and this is a question that came to you, right, Simran? And that's a question that came to the Vedic sages 10,000 years ago. Why? And then in most honesty, in extreme honesty, rather than spinning stories and creating, you know, deities and angels and heavens and hells and 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 which all came later in the religions of India, much later. They just the Veda spoke truly and said, We don't know. Just like Suddenly you are born and you realize, wow, I'm born in this beautiful place. It has fruit trees and birds and, 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 and waterfalls and, and nature brings beautiful wardrobes every season. But then as you walk deeper, you realize it's a prison. You don't have, and some things are set like you can't live beyond a time and you're going to lose the people you love through death or decay or deception or disease. And in these things repeat themselves and we forget our true immensity and we don't know why. So the Vedas were very honest and they said, we don't know, but it seems to be universal. There is a spell and they call it Maya, which literally means appearances of that which are not. So it appears that, you know, somebody will fulfill us or something will fulfill us, but it leaves us emptier and it makes us lonelier ultimately. So things that begin with great promise in this planet don't end that way. And sometimes things that are like really dark and dismal often open doors to something amazing and beautiful. So this is Maya. It's very confusing. And then the Veda said, oh, human, get the lay of the land. You're in a unique place. There's a spell on your mind. This is not your permanent home. And you can't take things for granted. And you definitely can't. You can be in the world, but you're not of this world. And the only door to find you is back in you. And I remember my guru telling me this story, and I'll just take one minute to tell you this, that somebody was lost in a forest, and they kept going round and round in circle, marking trees to get out. And they were getting more and more panicky. And until uh, at last they came across another being, and they were so grateful to find this other being. And this being was very peacefully meditating. And this one goes and wakes him up and says, wake up, wake up. Are you lost like me? Do you know the exit? Do you know the exit from this forest? It's so scary here. And the person says, yes, I know the exit. Where is it? Where is it? Stop looking. Close your eyes. The exit is inside you. So that was the teacher from the Vedic tradition. And the person who was looking around crazily thinking, my lover will fulfill me. That extra job will fulfill me. That promotion is going to make me. And feeling more and more empty as a result, at last closes their eyes, takes a deep breath, and, and immediately gets touched by something. It reveals itself. They say that you don't have to go looking for the self. When you expect to meet the self, it shall reveal itself to you from inside you. Mm. It, it sounds so simple, and yet it is so complex, because to look within and to find that would actually derail everything outside that we've come to believe in. I'd love to dive into that more when we come back from the break. 
Your mind will be released from all bondages upon realizing the sovereign truth within. Uh, if you have been mesmerized by the words of Acharya Shanya just in this first segment, there is so much more that you will receive from her book. Uh, it is filled with concepts and guided practices that build upon each other. Part one explores in detail the pathology of your delusion and how your mental patterns hypnotize you into believing that you are disempowered and enslaved to the world. Part two offers a wealth of practices that activate an illumined state of mind, one that is more discerning, judicious, and inherently wise. You will learn how you can convert your mind into your friend on a journey rather than a dictator, distractor, or detractor. Part three reveals a code of universal ethics that empowers you to act in the world with the full power of evolved spiritual awareness. And as you pull yourself together in this way, you develop the clarity and wisdom to set life goals that acknowledge your essential nature. Her book is Sovereign Self, Claim Your Inner Joy and Freedom with the Empowering Wisdom of the Vedas, Upanishads, and Bhagavad Gita. You can find out more about her at awakenself.com. You may also be interested in knowing about a retreat that is upcoming on May 8th, Sacred Body, Sacred Herbs. It is an Ayurvedic retreat and you will get to learn a lot about your own self-care and the Ayurveda world as well. Definitely check all that she has out at her website, awakenedself.com. One other thing I'd like to mention before the commercial break is 1111 listeners are getting a special 10% off uh, discount from betterhelp.com. You can go to betterhelp.com forward slash 11 for 10% off your first month. If there is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available which may not be locally available in many areas, and the service is available for clients worldwide. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so that they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. Again, that's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash 11. You can visit their website and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And for all of my listeners, I urge you to do the inner work, to take the chance to truly dive into self and pick up your copy of Sovereign Self by Acharya Shanya. Again, the website is awakenedself.com and we'll be right back after these messages to speak more with her. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset. 
Discovering the Heart and Stepping into Conscious Living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more? More joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships? more empowered community, greater fulfillment, and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides, and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Before we get back to Acharya Shudna's new book, Sovereign Self, and this fascinating conversation, I want to mention the after party that is on stereo uh, every week after the 1111 Talk radio show. We move on over to the stereo app. You can click the banner on the uh, 1111 Talk radio show page to get directly there. On that after party show, we discuss many of the concepts that we have talked about on 1111 Talk Radio, but it is an opportunity for you, my listeners, to join in the conversation, to ask questions, to dive into what you heard, and discuss more of your own awarenesses or experiences as we go through the process of getting to know one another in that wonderful communication type of environment where we can dialogue with one another. So definitely join me for the after party. Go to Stereo.com or click the banner in the middle of my show page. Find the Simran 1111 page and subscribe to the shows that you'd like to hear. There are shows on everything from wellness and health to comedy and creativity to lightening up or diving deep. And so I invite you to join me have some live conversations, ask your questions, and be a part of the show. That's the Stereo app. Again, the banner is in the middle of the show page. I also want to mention that Acharya has a retreat coming up May 8th, Sacred Body, Sacred Herbs, and it is an Ayurvedic retreat, so you might want to check that out on her website, awakenself.com, while you also look at her books, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, along with this new release, Sovereign Self. Uh, she is a renowned spiritual teacher and a scholar of Advaita and a classically trained master of yoga and Ayurveda. I personally receive her emails and she does an extraordinary job of sharing wisdom and truly is the real deal. Welcome back, Acharya. I'd love to dive into something that you said in the prior segment and part of that had to do with the shadow and the ego. And, you know, some people are trying to get rid of their shadow. They ignore their shadow. They don't want their ego. And yet this is all a part of us. So where does the shadow and the ego 
fit into this journey of remembering our infinite self? Are they too a part of that self? Absolutely. It's it's like forgetting is almost a prerequisite to remembering. And uh, this same ego, according to the Vedas, will lead us home. It's, it's like our, it has two faces. It's one face leads us away from our true self into the world. And there we experience suffering. But then the ego is noting the suffering. And it's the same ego that will want to dial in for 11.11 talk radio or order the book or, um, you know, read your books or, you know, or, and try and find teacher a path a practice or even slow down and belly breathe. And so it's the same ego, which after it, you know, bumps and gazes and um, wear and tear and deception and darkness and uh, getting up at midnight and stuffing the mouth with food, thinking it's going to fill our emotional gaps somehow. The same ego one day says to us, enough, we're done. And it calms down. And so this is, again, part of the setup. And so in my book, I recommend loving our shadow, bringing it home, instructing it, guiding it, and then suddenly finding a a cosmic friend. The ego is not stupid. It's divinely ordained and it's going to very quickly turn around. And people have seen that they can, they don't have to take my word for it. There are people who are feeling terrible and then they go to a yoga class or sit down for a meditation or take a walk in nature or bathe in the forest under the trees, forest bathing. And suddenly there is something inside them that helps them open doors that they had never opened, take pathways they had never tread upon, come to realizations all by themselves. Who is that? It's the same shadow that was once lost has now come into light because that lostness was slowly telling us the path. And... um, And I'm not going to say that there is no role for teacher or instruction here. So at some point, the ego also discerns that I need help. Just like if you want to learn arithmetic, we realize I need an arithmetic professor. And then we submit our ignorance to the professor, not our vagina, not not our esteem, not our money. We submit our ignorance. So we have a good teacher-student relationship. So we find a true guru, if I may use that word. But a guru word literally means, guru means darkness and ru means the one who sheds light to dispel that darkness. So the guru is one who knows the secrets of the darkness and knows the switch that will turn on that dark, transform the darkness to light. It's our ego that leads us beyond the discotheque of appearances and the strobes of false beliefs, strobe lights of false beliefs into the 
pristine, clear dawn of clarity, self-conviction, renewed hope, dependable learning, tried and tested wisdom, and emergence of a new capacity within, to be anchored within, and to expect and be held by something more profound within us. And even our broken inner child, our, our, our traumas, our, um, our complex, you know, past stories of, I don't think I can be more than this. All of this find a place where they are held by something, uh, by a greater wholeness, you can say. Our, our fractured self, our fractured shadow gets held by something. So what is that? So the ego itself is a part that is fractured, but there is a part that has potential to be completely whole. So this drama plays out in the ego. And the Vedas had seen all of this and talked about it 5,000 years or a couple more. I'll add a couple more thousand before Freud and Jung and all of that revolution in Western psychology. So people would be surprised to find the amount of psychology in sovereign self. And I've also quoted Jung and others who have quoted the Vedas. They've quoted from the Vedas. They have talked about the Bhagavad Gita and the Upanishads. So the words today and the people that we know today as leaders of the, the, the psychotherapy and positive psychology movement and even Western philosophy like Thoreau, all of these have talked about the Vedas, but they were only alluding to it and coming up with their own versions of their understanding. What I did, Simran, as an ambassador and teacher of this tradition, somebody who has uh, done the required scholarly study and interpretation, I went ahead and put the whole, um, you know, I put the framework without dilution but with enough, enough interfacing with our modern day stresses so that I could connect Vedic wisdom with everyday challenges of divorce or, 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 or addictions or low self-esteem or even abuse by false gurus. So I brought that wisdom as it is, pristine and pure, into our modern dilemmas and our modern quest. I think that's why this is so powerful, because it <clears throat> it does meet people where they are. It meets them in the experiences that they're having in their unconscious attachments, in their spinning wheels, in their delusions, to really put it boldly in their face so that they can compare the faults with the true. And I think one of the biggest areas where, as seekers, we end up slipping is is the unknowingness of our attachments and the degree to which those attachments are also related to identities that we eventually have to dissolve. That too is part of the sovereignty of self is releasing the identities while we let go of the attachments or even the emotions, but yet we have to somehow experience all those at the same time. So it really is very much a paradox while we're moving through it. Is it not? And that's why we need the guided instruction 
such as that which I've tried to present in the book so that it can help us what is known as, I call it the three Ds. Uh, the first D is discernment between self and the actor or self and the shadow or self and uh, the the uninstructed, reacting, scripted, conditioned ego. The second D is then detachment. We detach from what is not real. We detach from uh, what is a script. We detach from what is a habit. We detach from what is a delusional belief. And the third D is direction, where we then direct now that we are the we we know who we are or we're getting an idea as to who we are we direct our being we direct our senses we take we it's under new management so to say our being and we as self begin directing our mind our senses our limbs to uh, to reach for new goals new behaviors uh, new ideas new beliefs so these three Ds I have covered in the book so that we can discern between reality and appearance, detach from the appearance, because only un until we detach, we can't really make room for what's real to emerge. And then we direct our being into new ways of living a boundless, infinite, uh, self-empowered, joyful existence. So this needs a little uh, hand-holding, and that's why the book is at least about 400 pages, and I recommend reading a page a day, which I think, I don't know how many people have begun doing all over the world. It's helping. Mm, it is definitely something that should be treaded through slowly and carefully and intentionally. One of the causes of suffering for many people is that we put meaning into certain things. We create an attachment, whether it is uh, a life purpose or a particular project or a particular relationship, and we put all of life's meaning into those things, yet is, does any of it have meaning? Or is that where we really are creating the biggest suffering by believing that any of this has meaning? I think the Vedas never wanted to say that the world of people and the world of things where we have these relationships with people or things like house and jewels, there is no meaning there. I think there has relative meaning. But there is a greater meaning with a third relationship that often lies unexplored, which is with our true self. So if I don't have a relationship with my true self, if I don't have a uh, a way of life that is a contemplative, reflective, meditative way of life, a life of self-inquiry and self-exploration. And I spend a lot of time investing in the world of relationships with people, or which can include my dad or my partner or my students or my friends, um, and things like my jewelry and my cosmetics and my herbs and my furniture or whatever that's precious to me or heirlooms of my family or whatever. I ascribe meaning to it and I hold on to them and I spend a lot of the time procuring these people and things, then maintaining them, then having fear of losing them. And if I lose them, then grieving for them. So there's all this, you know, time, energy, preoccupation that gets spent in that. And if that's all that gives me meaning, 
then every dent uh, or loss in that realm is a woeful tragedy for me, as in the eye would be damaged and broken uh, all along, every day, every moment. But if I have an anchor or an understanding of a deeper identity that is, according to the Vedas, transcending birth and death, um, timeless, it was there before I took on this body, it witnesses the whole life through this body and it will outlive this body. Death is literally changing clothes. Then, uh, and I introduce my readers to this self and make them familiar with it and breathe into it. And once I can be anchored into something more permanent and abiding within me, Simran, other relationships become so much easier. And, and I remember as a young girl, I was such a, I was born a very emotionally possessive and also a little emotionally challenged person. I would not describe myself as born, realized and awakened like is a tradition to do nowadays. I'm mm. sorry. I was born I was born feeling I would be I also lost my mother early, so I would often be sullen and sulk and and I remember in my intimate relationships I would be possessive and argumentative and I would spend a lot of time obsessing on Am I going to lose the person just because I've had a lot of deaths in the family? So I had a fear of abandonment. So I had a whole emotional rigmarole. <laughs> you know, life was a ringer that I went through. But this book has come not from that place. This book has come from the application of wisdom that I received from my guru over 14 long years. And then I applied this wisdom to look at this other part of me, the shadow part of me that was stamping its emotional leg and being upset with the world and people and God and just, you know, generally being peeved. And now that I have this anchor within me and I'm introduced to who I am, it's night and day where I can find that I'm equipoised and equanimous through birth and death and loss and betrayal and awards and recognition. It feels like, uh, it's not like I'm checked out, but I'm checked in to something even more sublime within me. And so there is a sense of like the outer good or bad doesn't have that level of grip over me or my countless students and readers who are now benefiting And, you know, I've been teaching the same stuff that I've written about. And so I have a whole, like, I don't know how many people who say living life through the three Ds of discernment, detaching, and then directing your being in a new way to relate with less, less clutching and grasping behavior and more being anchored within is the way to go. Oh, my God. (laughs) So we can have it all. We don't have to give it up like, you know, the monastic tradition, we can have it all, but we need to have a relationship of absolute meaning with our own selves. That's what I would say. Your mind, the gateway to the palace of your true, amazing, and infinite self, has been overrun by myriad worldly details. Its walls are rotting with stuck feelings, its windows are sealed shut by sorrowful memories, and its every inch is taken over by your virtual possessions, relationships, losses, and fears. 
the slew of likes and dislikes, the glue of attachments and aversions, and the acid rage and resentment have you locked out from meeting, knowing, and enjoying your own unbelievable destiny to be truly happy, truly peaceful, and truly sovereign. We lose our self-governance when our sense of identity remains fused with a changeable shadowy mind that picks up cues from society and follows its dictates. This forever fluctuating and naturally fearful mind only knows bondage. It is not free in any sense nor steadfast, and therefore neither fearless nor powerful. Indeed, when identified with the mind, the self appears other than what it is, finite. But know this, the self is infinite. This is from Acharya Shunya's book, Sovereign Self. Claim your inner joy and freedom with empowering wisdom of the Vedas, Upanishads, and Bhagavad Gita. You can find out more about this renowned spiritual teacher and scholar by going to the website awakenself.com. Pick up her other book, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom along with this book, Sovereign Self, and you can find out about her upcoming retreat, Sacred Body, Sacred Herbs, on May 8th. We'll be right back after these messages with more of Acharya Shunya. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 Gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. 
The Vedas explain that all humans must recognize and fulfill desires pertaining to the four universal goals of life. These are the desire to ensure material survival and abundance, artha, experience happiness through healthy pleasures, including sex, kama, cultivate mindfulness, virtues, and a higher code of personal values, dharma, and seek spiritual freedom and personal awakening through cultivating self-knowledge, moksha. By promoting these four macro goals, namely of desiring wealth, pleasure, values, and awakening, the Vedas are suggesting that no human should omit any of these desires or think they can bypass one or the other. This is from Acharya Shunya's latest book, Sovereign Self. I invite you to go to her website, awakenself.com, and find out all of the things that she is doing. Uh, she has some powerful books and powerful wisdom and teaching, so definitely sign up for her email and get to know this beautiful teacher. I want to go back to a discussion about the distinction between detachment, indifference, and equanimity. Because for some people, when they heard you in the last segment, they may have looked at that as um, an indifferent approach to the world and things that happen when it's death or sickness or things like that. But it's not indifference, is it? Can you explain the distinction between those three? Yeah, detachment is really actions taken without fever, without cleanness, without pushing, pulling, and control. So we often have desires, and it's totally normal to have desires in fact. Everybody has a right to dream, desire, pursue what they desire and hope to manifest it. And that's a very normal process and I would not recommend killing it. The Vedas also say we live by our dreams. But what happens is for a lot of us, the desire simran becomes a fever and uh, it starts controlling us. It colors our reality. It makes us delusional and we are ill-equipped to go on with our life in case our desire is thwarted for any reason. Uh, Karma is one of them and other laws of the universe, which includes some results may be delayed for our own benefit. We've often seen, you might have noticed that, that sometimes things are denied from us but then we make greater progress internally and then it comes back to us many fold. So there are some mystical reasons for which we don't get something that we want right away. It might be delayed by a few years, a decade or two, or even a lifetime or two. And this is the law of karma. But we get all caught up and we think, you know, our little ego when it's uninstructed, it hasn't read books like mine or been instructed, you know, through the Vedic and other deeper wisdom traditions, it becomes very entitled. And that's when it gives birth to what is known as attachment and in Sanskrit known as raga. And raga literally comes from the root word ranja, which means color. So our mind gets colored by whatever we are not able to have in our life. So say a couple wants a baby and they are not being successful in their 
um, fertility treatments or planning or whatever, their mind gets taken over by the absent baby. And now they cannot smile, they cannot digest their food, they cannot take a walk with, you know, um, normalcy. Because their being, their consciousness has raga or color with what they miss. And soon they have hypertension and stomach cramps and suffering. And, you know, the whole psychosomatic syndrome happens. So what you what we want to do, according to the Vedas, is have pure desires, which are minus this unconscious raga or attachment. And... Um, so I like chai. Chai is an Indian drink and I love it. And there was a time when if I didn't have it at 4 p.m., I would yearn for it and crave for it. And so what I did was I looked at it and I said, you know what? At 4 p.m., my great scholarly awakened mind becomes a cup of tea that is missing. And I don't know if I want to have that kind of relationship with a cup of chai. So what I did was I went off of it. I cold turkey for a few months. And then when I came back to it, I, I drink chai. Some days I don't drink it. And I am fine. I have a different relationship with it. Now I enjoy chai. Chai does not enjoy me. Mm. This is the difference. Mm. We live in a world that really promotes passion. Uh, the media talks about passion, it talks about acquisition, it talks about ambition. But from what I've read through your book and what I'm hearing you say, dispassion is actually the higher spiritual root as opposed to passion. Dispassion, yes, because when we come, the word passion is highly acclaimed and we love go, 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 go people, you know, the go-getters. And we, we appreciate the dynamic, ambitious people. And, um, but that's all an appearance because I have counseled count, countless such people who have, but they are deeply wounded inside themselves because in the pursuit and the passionate quest for objects and fame and name in the world, um, they often sell themselves and they don't stop to smell the flowers along the way or enjoy the blue sky or make connections with anything inside them except this relentless raga to obtain the next goal. Now that I have a partner, now I need a baby. Now that I have a baby, I must get the best school admission. Now that they've completed high school, they must go to the right college, otherwise I'll be miserable. Now that they've had the college, they must marry the right person, otherwise I'll be miserable. So they are always a hostage of their own passion. Now I'm somebody who has a lifelong commitment to spreading the light of the Vedas, helping people, um, heading various organizations. I have a dynamic role to play, a scholarly role to play. I, I am also um, uh, I'm also a gardener and I take great pride in the big, large roses and tomatoes I grow in my backyard. I'm so detailed with what plant needs, what fertilizer, and I literally hand water them in my home. So I have that level of, you know, care for my every plant that grows in my house. How do I find the time for all of this? 
I don't find it from passion. I do it from a sense of oneness with everything. Like I feel one with all beings. That's why I bothered to write a book. I feel one with the plants and flowers that grow. That's why I hand water them what they need. In the middle of the hot sun, I'd be standing there with my hat, my sunglasses and my hose thinking they are thirsty. So it's not a passion of I must have the biggest roses, but it's more like how can I care more? How can I grow some seeds that are dying? So it's from a sense of service, devotion. And when you come from that place, when you come as oneself, you also remember that there are there are bigger mysteries and larger, larger forces which are uniting all of us. And so there is also a sense of knowing where the jurisdiction of my ego's will ends and where the jurisdiction of the total will begins. So I can plant 10 seeds and water them, but maybe only five will come through. And that greater will will decide that, not my personal stamping of my feet, feet and becoming more passionate and more aggressive as a gardener. I can write my books and put all my truth in them. The fact that they became hot bestsellers was really a greater desire, a greater will. Beyond that, I can't do much. And this is where my passion ends. My, I brought my passion when I was writing the book. And then I withdrew my passion when it was time to release the book. Because then I withdrew, I withdrew with it the expectations and the control and then the connection of my esteem with the destiny of my books, I went to sleep like a baby thinking the book might, you know, 10 people might read it or 10,000. This is not my work to do. And so this is, these are all teachings from the Vedas, from the Bhagavad Gita. And Lord Krishna has explained in Bhagavad Gita that you have jurisdiction over your actions. You should not have, you don't have jurisdiction over the results from that action. What that means is, Simran, if you bring your passion to your, your the, this work that you are doing in the world, your books, your podcast, your magazine, that's great. But beyond that, there should be a trust in a larger force. And there, then you withdraw that. You, you don't push it beyond a point. Then you enjoy the simple pleasures of life. And then you won't suffer from the disease of attachments. Then you will have a happy action and a lot of release and freedom. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I have come to realize that the extraordinary and the beauty is in the ordinary of life. And I invite everyone to go pick up their copy of Sovereign Self so that they can truly grasp some of the wise words that Acharya Shanya has shared today, and so much more. Dharma is intrinsic to your soul nature. The Vedas tell us that deep down all humans are inherently sensitive, kind, and nonviolent. Our goodness, compassion, kindness, and fairness are intrinsic to our true self. This is a huge declaration. We are not sinners, but good people. We are simply ignorant of our true bigness. That is why when we expose our ego to Dharma teachings, we all begin to melt. When exposed to higher principles to live by, often even the darkest criminal wants to change for the better. And most of us, if we have not gagged our inner voice by numbing our conscience, 
fall apart with self-reproach, remorse, guilt, and shame when we know what we have violated or hurt another living creature, and when we have been unfair, cheated, or lied, we may have even lost our sanity and our physical health. Our own greater self expects better from us. This is from Acharya Shunya's book, Sovereign Self. Go visit her website, awakenself.com. Also pick up her other book, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, and check out the upcoming May 8th retreat, uh, Sacred Body, Sacred Herbs, which is an Ayurvedic-based retreat. Uh, thank you, Acharya, for being on 1111 Talk Radio this week. It is always a delight. And to my listeners, I invite you to join me for the after party. It starts at 1230. There will be after party shows at 1230, 130, and 4 today. And we will dive into some of what we heard today along with other discussions with some beautiful individuals that are sharing their own light with the world. Until next week, in love, of love, with love and as love, be well. I am Simran. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.